I'm not sure if I hit that golden number of 10,000 hours to be considered an expert in NFTs. Despite what my mother and friends may think, I wouldn't even consider myself to be an NFT expert. In fact, I don't even know who qualifies to be an NFT expert because we're still establishing what are the facts within the space. With that said, I thought it'd be fun to share the 10 things that I've gotten extremely wrong since launching this podcast. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real world value. Of course, we love to celebrate our wins, pat ourselves on the back for it when we call something right, get ahead of the trend and say, yes, I was early on NFTs, I was early on this project or whatever it is. But oftentimes, we just quietly disappear when we're wrong about things. So today, doing those 10 things that I think I got wrong not only shows that anyone can get things wrong, but some of these are kind of head scratchers. So number one, I'm going to dive straight into it is I said ETH was overrated. When I first came into this NFT space, I was all about wax. Everything that I was doing, I was collecting over there. It was gas-free, it was fast, it was fun, and it was very easy to onboard tens of thousands of people very quickly. And at the time, I couldn't understand why all the hype was around ETH. Despite being one of the first cryptocurrencies that really caught my eye and I was interested in, I couldn't understand why the NFT community was so gung-ho and adamant about ETH being the place to build. However, two years into this space and researching this stuff and diving into different things, I have definitely come around full circle on ETH. Now, I'm not saying that WAX and all the other places are not viable places. I still love WAX. I think we're moving towards a multi-chain future. And I often say no one really cares if you're building on a Linux server or a Microsoft server. For the most part, as long as it works from the front end, if you're the user, you don't even think about that. And I think that's the direction that we're going in. However, ETH just offers so many different things. I've done countless episodes about that, the EVM, the Ethereum virtual machine, and how that makes the code compatible with so many other blockchains such as Polygon and so forth, and why I think ETH is important beyond the currency itself. And I really do see that as the place to build and store the valuable NFTs as far as the memberships and so forth. Of course, gaming and everything, it is just not practical to build on ETH directly. However, I do see that as a place for high-end art, exclusive memberships, and anything with high value, low volume. Number two was Wagme. Of course, We're all going to make it. That was the mantra of all of us that came into the space very early. It just seemed like it was sunshines and rainbows. Everything was going great. And I bought into it. Don't get me wrong. I was excited. And I was always someone who is collaborative, not cutthroat. I think we're all going to make it in the sense that there is enough space at the table for everyone to get their own fair share, have a nice meal, and enjoy it. So we could, in theory, make it together. However, the whole wag meat, we're all going to make it. Well, no, that is not true. First and foremost, we're all going to make it assumes that we're all going to stay into this thing. As we can see, probably 90% of the people that were all screaming wag me and everything have disappeared from the space. I honestly could not tell the last time I saw a wag me on my newsfeed or anyone that was just gung ho about this whole space that's, you know, with that same enthusiasm and passion as we saw two years ago. So that whole thing died pretty quickly. And when you really think about it, we step back like, well, no, we're not all going to make it because if that were the case, everyone would be successful. Everyone would be millionaires. Everyone would be professional athletes and so forth. But here's the thing. Most people just do not stick with anything to be successful. They quit. They change their minds. They lose their focus. They let other people talk them out of a good idea and so forth. I can go on and on and on and on as to why Wagme doesn't work. It could work just like it could work outside of Web3. There is enough 
wealth, food, and so forth for everyone to actually survive. But guess what? Reality is very few people end up controlling the majority of things. And I'm not going to go into all the conspiracy theories as to how that could happen, whether it is with whales and Web3 or in the world of the quote unquote, the rich that are gobbling up everything. No, I'm not even going into all of that. All I'm simply saying is a lot of people could have a lot more if they would keep focus, not quit and follow through the vision that they had on day one. And unfortunately, that is just not the case. That is not human nature. Number three. After spending years trying to bring me into cryptocurrencies and everything, I remember saying to my friend, I 100% believe that NFTs are way more profitable than cryptocurrencies. Now, there is a lot wrong in that statement. So it is a loaded statement, a lot of parts to digest and chop up and say how that is just a false statement altogether. But what I'm going to just simply put it as at that point in time, I was still looking at it as NFTs as just being, quote unquote, the product. That's something that I often say. NFTs are not the product. It is just the underlying technology. So as far as cryptocurrencies, first of all, they're a liquid asset. You can trade in and out of them. And if you know what you're doing, you know how to follow charts and so forth. You know exactly when pumps happen and so forth based on history. You can definitely unload, enter and exit the position very quickly. That is not the case with NFTs at all. First of all, you need someone that's in the market looking for what you are purchasing at that time. It's sort of like art. Something might be very valuable, but you also have to find someone that is willing to pay that for it. A house has value. However, who can just flip a house and sell it that quickly? It all depends on the market, how many people are in there buying, how many people have money and so forth. So as far as it being more profitable in cryptocurrencies, well, I mean, that is just such a wide open statement that there's so many things to dissect there that I just have to retract that. I can't even take that anymore and say that makes sense because there is just way too much wrong with that statement altogether. And I was gung ho. I 100% believed it. And I said that to my bullish crypto friends in day one. And I said, yeah, I'm coming into the space web three because of NFTs. And that is where the profits are 100%. It makes more sense rather than saying the underlying technology of bringing mass adoption and building amazing things, I see much more mass appeal for NFTs. So the whole profits thing is just, I don't know, it's just a misaligned statement. This doesn't really make sense. So someone who is trying to make some quick money, I think cryptocurrencies offers that much easier. However, the one that's going to have the greater impact on society and building businesses and so forth, I think it's going to be NFTs, but that is an episode for itself. And I'm just going rapid fire. Number four, I would say the number one project that I called absolutely wrong was Goblin Town. First of all, I said Goblin Town was going to be a rug pull. If you listen to episode number 199, I predicted that it was going to be a rug pull, mainly because the website, the way it was set up, showed a cliff and everything. All the numbers were falling off. All the jokes that were being told about don't be greedy, we're just withholding a certain amount just because, and so forth. And everything about it was just so memeish. It was a free NFT, and they're warning you not to be greedy. So I thought the whole thing was set up perfectly to be a rug pull. And it really wouldn't be a rug pull in the sense that, as I explained in that episode, is they promised nothing. Therefore, anyone that loses money as it crashes, they were really scammed. They just threw their money into a ridiculous pot and that'd be their own fault. However, it turns out that it was a legitimate team, a legitimate company, legitimate works, and they're still going strong. And although the hype has died down, the price has fallen and so forth, I have to just take the L there and say that was 100% wrong. Number five, which was even more wrong, but I said Coinbase NFT would be a game changer. There was so much hype around that marketplace being launched. And well, now that could not be further from the truth. Matter of fact, when's the last time you went over to the NFT marketplace at Coinbase? 
yeah, it was a complete failure. There is no activity going on over there. Even GameStop, when they launched, they had way more activity. And despite having such promise, of course, that is the number one crypto exchange, at least centralized exchange in the US. So they were set up so perfectly for success, but it just failed miserably. And I thought that was going to be the onboarding process for millions of people that were collecting and trading crypto on Coinbase, and they would cross over into NFTs and everything would be great. But no, couldn't be further from the truth. While we're speaking about marketplaces number six, I said OpenSea would die a quick death. That was a prediction I made because we were so gung-ho about decentralization and just obviously noticing that this was a centralized platform with Web2 elements and so forth, that it was way too top-heavy, too controlled from the corporate side, and they were even thinking about going public and so forth. I was like, yeah, there was no way that this is going to last. However, Two years in this space, seeing all these different marketplaces come and go, seeing all these fly-by-night operations pop up, trying to dethrone them and what have you. And here's what I noticed, especially with this Blur launch, did a whole episode about them, the war between OpenSea and Blur. Generally speaking, I think that user experience is by far the most important thing as far as adoption and so forth. And just using that marketplace, it is so set up for a newbie to come in and just start trading, feel safe. It is nice, clean. It looks corporate and really resembles the thing that we're used to. Even the blue and white. I mean, they nailed the whole corporate colors and everything. But anyways, the reason why I think that that was 100% wrong take is because now I have done a 180, complete opposite direction. And I think as far as all the marketplaces going forward, they are in the best position to continue their dominance out of any other marketplace. Yeah, Blur right now is stealing some headlines and what have you, but whatever. We all know that is unsustainable and there's crazy stuff going on right there. But I think if OpenSea stays the course, just really curates the experience for people that want a good user experience, don't worry about all these fees and all these different things and just make it a great platform, they'll be there for the long run. Think about it. People have all sorts of things to say about all these platforms such as Facebook, YouTube, Google, and so forth, but guess what? They still use it. Why? Because up until this point, it was a good user experience, and as much as businesses absolutely hate working with them and people hate putting their content on these platforms, it was the better option. So we played that game, and I think if OpenSeas does things right, and I always say OpenSeas with an S, but OpenSea with out the S, singular, plays their cards right, they're here for the long run, and I do think that is still one of the premier companies within Web3, Web2.5, Web2, whatever you want to call it. I don't even care at this point, but as far as within NFTs and all that stuff, I think they have really positioned themselves to not only survive my extremely wrong prediction of a quick death, but I think they will survive and weather the storm and be here for the long run. Number seven, I thought the App Store and the Google Play Store were an endangered species. With everything with decentralization, these NFTs being launched and dApps and all sorts of stuff, I was like, yeah, there is no point of having these centralized marketplaces with these apps for phones and so forth. Sort of why I thought OpenSea was going to have that quick death, but I was going even further and I said, these apps are definitely going to die. And as we said, with user experience and everything, it's just, you know, I think it was just more youthful exuberance, just so excited to see Web3 and all this stuff. And I was one of those people that were screaming, yeah, you know, Web2 versus Web3. And I have completely come around on that. I just don't even believe in a division between the different webs, one, two, three, 
and so forth. It is all the web. We're all people. And at the end of the day, we want something that's going to make our lives better, make us more entertained or whatever. And it has to be easy to use. Most of us do not want to jump through hoops and learn about all these different things and spend the amount of time that I and even you who are listening to this podcast are spending in this space. The vast majority of people want something so easy that they don't even think about. They don't want to pause. And guess what? Apps are so ingrained into our culture and the way we think right now that even our mothers and grandmothers and the least tech savvy person can figure them out. And I think that is not going to change. And I think at this point, an app is probably the best gateway for most users to interact with the internet. And I don't think that's going to change going forward. And in fact, I think those apps are just going to integrate NFTs and blockchain technology and so forth, rather than NFT and blockchain technology and Web3 tech replacing them. Number eight, okay, anyone that really knows me from the youngest time ever, I was really focused on business. Even when I used to play Madden, more so than even playing the games, I wanted to be the GM trading around players and trying to maximize the profits for the franchise and so forth. I loved just managing the finance, building the stadiums and managing the team, trying to put together the highest ranked roster for the lowest amount of cost. That was my game. So I always said I wanted to be an NFL owner. And when I discovered NFTs, I was like, you know what? NFTs are definitely going to be my pathway to owning the Oakland Raiders. And I know this sounds exactly like Gary Vee, but here's the thing. I actually thought about this way before I found out that Gary Vee was trying to buy the Jets. But here's a funny thing, too. I'm actually a Jets fan. However, I just think the Oakland Raiders are a much better brand. So despite rooting for the Jets since the 90s, I have wanted to buy the Oakland Raiders for the longest times because I just like that black, that silver now, especially that they're in Vegas, I mean, that's just a no-brainer. But anyways, going back to this whole thing, the reason why I thought the NFTs were the way to do it was it was, in my opinion, my dot-com boom. When I saw this, I was like, yeah, this is something I can gravitate to. I can see the future here. I need to build within this space. And this is what's going to get me here. But again, connecting all this stuff together, the NFTs are not the product. NFTs are just the underlying tech. That's why I would have to retract that statement and say, you know what? NFTs are not the fastest way to being on the Forbes list or the billionaires list or being able to afford an NFL team or anything of that nature. I would actually have to say that NFTs are just one of many techs that's going to help people to create and run a profitable business. So as far as what's the way to get there, I think the fastest way to generate wealth is not going to be trading stocks, is not going to be trading NFTs or anything of that nature. I think it is starting a business. If you look at the Forbes list of all those different people that are ranked up there, very few of them are people that inherited money. The majority of them made their wealth by starting some sort of business. Now, whether that is a tech business, a telecommunications business, food, whatever. Somehow they started a business and they stayed at it and they plugged away in most cases for decades. Now, tech booms and all this stuff does offer the opportunity for someone to make a couple billion dollars basically overnight. However, that's the exception, not the standard. But as far as being someone who is building a business, the foundation of a successful business has not changed since the beginning of time. It's solving a real world problem so well that people are willing to pay for it. And that is how you build a business. I don't care what it is, whether it is a tech business, some brick and mortar business, or some futuristic concept that we can't even think of right now. At the end of the day, if you're solving a real world problem well enough, people are going to then throw money at you and that's going to be a profitable business. So that I think can best be accomplished using NFTs. But the statement that I actually said 
that NFTs are the fastest pathway to building a multi-billion dollar business or whatever it might be? Well, no, not necessarily. You still have to figure out how you're going to serve an audience, how you're going to build a business and what have you, but then integrate that. So just like having a .com, it was the guaranteed profits that millions that people thought it was going to be in the 90s. Well, NFTs, as we found out over the last two years, are not the surest way to get rich. And this ties in with a lot of these different things, but that statement itself is something that I 100% got wrong. Number nine, I totally missed this one, and so did a lot of people, that NFTs ended the era of starving artists. Now, we all know our favorite bands, our favorite artists and favorite producers, music writers, whatever you want to call it, that are so talented, they have amazing work. However, they can't even pay their bills. They might be working part-time jobs or the midnight shift at Walmart or something, like who knows? But with NFTs emerging and everyone who's trading and getting their royalties and such, we're like, oh, this is the most amazing thing. Well, first of all, the volume for NFTs have fallen dramatically. No need to even go there. Then we're going with the whole war with the royalties and so forth. People are sidestepping them. And I could think of a million ways to actually avoid royalties altogether. And I just don't put it out there because I'm actually for paying royalties. I like contributing to the arts. But I, as someone who is not a coder, can think of a bunch of different ways to build applications to sidestep royalties, even if it is hard-coded into the contract on the blockchain, I can still think of ways to work around it. But with that said, here's the thing. Most artists are not business people. Most artists are not salespeople. Most artists are not willing to go out there, build communities and build brands and build raging fans and so forth. And that's why they're starving artists. They are artists because they love the art. They love whatever it is that they're willing to do. And most likely, and I'm not saying this is always the case, this is a gross generalization. If they were so focused on business and numbers and so forth, they probably wouldn't have developed the skills to be an artist, right? They have focused and dedicated their heart, their time and everything into whatever craft it is that they are perfecting and they are an expert in or whatever you want to call it. But guess what? Sales, marketing, and so forth, they often neglect. And whether or not the true passionate artists are making money or not, they're still going to draw. They're still going to sing. They're still going to do all of those things that they love. But I think that in order for the starving to come out of the starving artist is that artists are going to have to pick up business and sales skills. And they don't want to do that for the most part. Again, gross generalization. There are some great salespeople that I have met within this space. I can list multiple ones of them. I mean, some of them have come on the show. I speak about them all the time. So I'm not taking anything away from those people. But they are putting in the hours. They are grinding. They are doing so much to support the art rather than relying on this NFT market and the tech and everything to basically do the work for them. And number 10, the last thing I'm going to cover, I can actually keep going on and on and on and on, but the last thing I'm going to cover on this particular list is that I thought 2022 was going to be the year of the play to earn game. Now, I still see gaming as such a huge onboarding ramp for the masses because it's just a no-brainer. At this point, if you've ever played any of those games and you're buying these upgrades and what have you within these games and all that time spent just goes nowhere and you can't sell that stuff when you're done with it or whatever, it's like, yeah, that was a total waste. Now, this has been a complete cash cow for the video game industry. So thinking back to the days of my first system, which was the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System, those cartridges, the thing about that is you can resell your cartridges. You can buy used ones. You can trade it in the local comic book store where I grew up. It was called Dragon's Den. I Googled it. There's a lot of Dragon's Dens across the US, but that is besides the point. Now, 
I used to trade in my games to Dragon's Den, whether it was the discs once I got my Sega Dreamcast or the N64 or whatever it is. You could go, you can trade, get new games. And this is way before even GameStop popped up. There were these local comic book shops. There was eBay. There were so many different things. And guess what? You might not get back all of your money, but at least you could get back some of the investment that you put into that game. Now, with these apps and this ecosystem that has been built up, there's not even the expense of the hardware. It is just software. And whether they sell 1 million or 1 billion, it doesn't really increase their incremental expense. Of course, yeah, there's going to be server loads and so forth. But as a percentage of those are buying upgrades and keep spending money into it, guess what? It's going to work out. So there is so much to gain from them with this closed system that we have. However, I see companies like Ubisoft and other game developers that are integrating this stuff in an interesting way that also is basically like selling software, but it then encourages us users to continue to buy those things because we know in the back of our heads, just like when we were buying those used games, we could sell them. Nowadays, when you're just downloading software and what have you, I mean, what are you going to do? You can't sell your software on the secondary market. At least back in the day, you could sell your videos and music albums and so forth. But now with NFTs, and I think this whole gaming on-ramp, I think it is just a cool connection. A lot of people can see the value in it. Now, there's a lot of skepticism within the gaming ecosystem and gamers aren't really for this. And right now, for the most part, these gaming NFTs are driven by the NFT community, not necessarily the gaming community, but going forward, I still see the value of it and that's where it's going to go. But 2022, maybe even 2023, maybe even 2025 is way too early for me to say that this is the year that everything pops off. But it is definitely on the horizon. I don't know when it's going to be, but when it happens, it's going to be quick. But I can definitely say saying 2022 was the year was absolutely wrong. But that was 10 rapid fire things. I went through a lot of things, you know, a little bit different style than I normally do for an episode. But this is the type of thing that I normally do in the newsletter with niftybusinessweek.com. If you're not signed up for that, it's absolutely free. But I cover different topics, different stories, and sort of send out some rapid bites of information, nuggets, that I probably wouldn't do a full episode about, spend 10, 15 minutes on one single topic like I usually do. So if you're interested in that, especially if you just love written form content rather than audio or video, or maybe just as a supplement to that, you can get that absolutely free, completely different content than what's on the podcast. Just go to niftybusinessweek.com or check out the information in the show notes. But as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.